Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. I'm not a political pastor, I don't get into politics, but I will address the issues. So our vice president gave a speech on the 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, celebrating the murdering of children. And I'm just going to quote a little bit of what she said as she started out. She said, we love all our frontline folks, and this room is filled with them. Speaking of doctors and nurses and others who are willing to murder babies. We love all our frontline folks and the audience. Tremendous applause. Then later on, she said, a promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we each that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Tremendous applause. You can see this online yourself. You can watch the whole thing. I, I printed out, I literally, I printed out her speech. You can get it on government, doc, uh, government website. So I'm not taking it off a news site. You can get the whole thing printed out. But she goes on to say this. These rights were not bestowed upon us. They belong to us as Americans. Then later on, she says, and 50 years ago today, so did those who won a fight in the United States Supreme Court to recognize the fundamental constitutional right of a woman to make decisions about her own body, applause, and not the government. Now, what she left out in the Declaration of Independence is crucial. What she left out is crucial. So I'm going to read this. The ununanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one person, one people to dissolve the political bands which connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station in which the laws of nature and of nature's God, capital G, entitled them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. And if you know anything about history, if not, do a little research. This is all about the separation of a state-run church. There is no insinuation anywhere of separation of church and state. It's a state-run church. And that's what they were fleeing from. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And this is just like in the Greek, when you read men in your Bible in the Greek, it's mankind. All men and women are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator, capital C, the founding fathers. Not all of them, but the founding fathers believed in God. Do your homework with certain unalienable rights among that among these are what life she left out the word life why because life begins at conception that is a scientific fact it is also a biblical truth life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights Governments are instituted among men, mankind, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, 
that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends. Notice what they're writing about what they were fighting for and what's happening today. Not that I am encouraging fighting by any means. I've got to say that up front because people misconstrue things. No violence, none of that nonsense. Not in the scriptures. Jesus doesn't encourage us to do that. It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Not just to wipe out a government because you don't like the government. Because the Bible teaches us that the government is put there to punish evildoers. That's what it says in your Bible. Read your Bible. So God sets up the government for a very specific reason, for safety, first and foremost. And if we don't have safety in any government, and if you visited any countries where safety is really not there, unless you bribe for it, you realize very quick, you kiss the ground when you get off the plane and land in America. At least it used to be that way. We're seeing that crumble right in front of our eyes, right in front of our states and cities, and right in front of some townships. Safety, because we're now becoming anti-government. There's a delicate balance. It's in the Word of God. Study your Bible. Pray about it. And just be aware of what's going on. Oh, the reason why I brought that up about uh, Kamala Harris. Let me read the end. Her very closing statement at the very end. So to all the friends and leaders, I say, let us not be tired or discouraged because we're on the right side of history. Applause. Killing babies is the right side of history. So we will continue to stand together in the fight to protect the freedom and liberty of all people, of all women everywhere. Notice everywhere, the world, and America does endorse and pay for other abortions around the world. And here and now on this 50th anniversary, let us resolve to make history... And secure this right. Applause. Today I invite all Americans to join us and to remember that we fight. When we fight, we win. Applause. Thank you all. And this is why I had to address it. Thank you all. May God bless you. So if you think I'm going down the road of politics, then you're not aware of what's going on. When somebody invokes the name of God, a politician, I'm going to correct them, and I'm going to address it. If you don't like that, you know what? Be in prayer, and maybe you're called to a different church. That's okay. That's okay. But somebody's got to take a stand. That means you have to take a stand. May God bless you, and may God bless America. Hmm. I'm going to break it to you as softly as I can. God's not going to bless America. (laughs) Corinthians chapter 11. God cannot bless, condone sin. Abortion is sin. They estimate over 63 million babies have died from 50 years ago. 63 million Americans have died. Uh, Do you have that slide, Jim? I think I forgot that slide. Could you take a picture of this or memorize this next time somebody wants to talk to you about you're a fanatic or you're anti-abortion? Correct them. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm not anti-abortion. I'm pro-life. And ask them a simple question. Are you pro-death? 
It's that simple. Life begins at conception. The most dangerous place in America is not Chicago, not Phoenix, is in a mother's womb. They're estimating still 800,000 abortions this year in America. 800,000, guys. You can't pretend this is not real and stick it in a corner. Well, we don't talk about those things. I'm going to talk about them. Because God is not going to bless. And Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust. So be ready for God's judgment. Father, we thank you and praise you. And you are just. You are right. You are right. We deserve judgment. And so, Lord, whatever that looks like, your will be done. And give us wisdom and discernment to be there to help pick up the pieces if we're still alive. And to point people to a Savior, Jesus, that we cannot condone sin and ask for your blessings. That's impossible. You will never do that. So, Father, we pray for our nation's leaders, as your Bible says we should do. Open their eyes to the lies that they have swallowed and that they are vomiting out on a culture. That your right is above God's ways. No, Father, they are not. I have no rights. I submit my life to you. You are my Lord. Your son is my Lord. That means he's my master. And I am the servant. So, Father, even this morning as we go over your word, we pray for anyone in this room that does not know Jesus as their Savior in these last days. Lord, remove the spiritual blinders. Help them to see that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. They can't work their way to heaven. There is a heaven. There is a hell that they might come to know Jesus this morning, this very day. For no one knows the day or the hour of their death. But it is certain that it is coming. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching and that you'll be glorified this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you're new or visiting, we're picking it up here. And uh, we go through a Bible, a book of the Bible, verse by verse. And so on Sunday mornings, we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I encourage you to read it all this week, as I did last Sunday, to read it all. Because we're going to eventually get to Paul's life of inconveniences. Inconveniences. If you're a Christian and you take a stand for Jesus Christ in this world today, you are going to be inconvenienced. You may lose your job. You may lose your social status. You may lose uh, friends on social media. You may be canceled. That's very inconvenient. But you and I, we have to realize, am I willing to be inconvenienced, if that's such a word? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to take a stand for Jesus? Or no, that might cost me something. And no, now's now's not a good time. Is there going to be another good time? Is there going to be a good time ever to stand up for Christ? So, guys, we want to be careful that complacency that can set into my life and anyone else's life. I'm human just like you. So as I exhort you, I'm exhorting me. We all need the same exhortation. We're living in the last days. 
And so first, 2 Corinthians 11, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. This is, if you're new to the Bible, Paul is writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's writing to the church at Corinth. He is not writing to the world. He is writing to a body of believers called the church, big C. The church is not this building. You are the church. When you leave, the church leaves. The building stays. For I am jealous over for I am jealous with for you with godly jealousy. You can get the CD last week. For I betrothed you to one husband, that's uh, engaged to be married, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And that was Paul is addressing in his epistle, especially first epistle, but also the second epistle. How can we stay pure in the midst of a godless society? That's pressing in upon us wherever we are as we're driving down the freeway with electronic billboards, as you go onto your laptop, as you have whatever device you might have and ads pop up. How can we remain pure? How can we remain focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's called us to do? But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. And remember, what is the number one tool of the enemy? Don't shout it out. Because people will shout out John 10.10. That's not correct. It's not John 10.10. It's Revelation 12. The enemy has come to deceive. To deceive. That's his number one tool. Then he'll do John 10.10. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But first and foremost, he has to deceive. And he will try to deceive the believer as well as the unbeliever. If, that has, if you have not seen that happen in the last two years through the BLM, which when it first came out, I went and read their website. Just do your own homework. It's from the pit of hell. I said that in, in April or May, whenever it first came out, of 2020. It's from the pit of hell. And they changed, they changed their website after people started reading it and finding out that they didn't want fathers involved in their lives. They didn't want men involved with their lives. They wanted to destroy the nuclear family. Don't yell at me. That's what they said. Wake up. Social justice is from the pit of hell. How do we find justice? By knowing Jesus as our Savior. Then he starts to transform our heart and all those prejudices that we all had, and believe me, you've had them, I've had them, they start to go away because you're being washed in the water of the word. And you start to realize, wow, God loves every single person. A pedophile, a homosexual, a wannabe, a wannabe. I'm not calling them trans anymore. You cannot transition. You have over a trillion cells in your body. The DNA is in every single cell. You cannot trans. They're a wannabe. Just like little kids, you grow up, you want to be a football player, you're a wannabe. You're not going to transition into a... If you, are you kidding me? Look how little you are. You ain't going nowhere. Get into soccer. Have fun with soccer. Come on. I mean, it's just reality, right? So you, but they want to be. Great. Hey, they want to be a politician. God bless you. We'll be praying for you. Deception deceived Eve by craftiness so that your minds, notice here, your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You see, as far as our nation and culture goes, our spiritual enemy is working overtime to do exactly what he did in the very beginning, deceive, deceive. 
Yes, and we are already, as we've already studied, the enemy will use any means to steal, kill, and destroy our testimony for God. Craftiness. Uh, craftiness here. Craftiness means cunning. Cunning. May be corrupted. Means to shrivel or wither. Simplicity. This is so, implicit, so, this is so important. Simplicity means singleness. Singleness. What Pastor L talked about, these are Christian churches coming together to put on this event. The Mormons are not invited nor allowed because they are not Christian. Oh, there he goes, bashing churches again. Read your Bible. Christian is Christ follower. He is number one. He is the son of God. He is not the spirit brother of Lucifer. So these are only like-minded churches that believe in the whole counsel of God that are serving, just so you know. So be a part of it. Get to meet our brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, as Christians, we're to have a single perspective about spiritual things. That perspective should be, what did Jesus teach and preach about in the Gospels? What did the apostles and the early church practice in the book of Acts? And finally, what do the epistles expand upon about the previous two. So here's a slide. What did Jesus teach? So as you as a young believer or as an older saint, when these things are falling around us, how many genders are there now? 72 plus? No, there's two. You're a male or a female. You have to go back to the truth. So what did Jesus teach? What about marriage? Jesus taught from the very beginning, God created them what? Male and female. Oh, so Jesus said that. Okay, so there's only two genders. That's it. That's all there is. And marriage is between what? A man and a woman. Jesus taught that clearly in the scriptures. So, okay, well, that eliminates that nonsense. What did the early church practice? And a good example of this is water baptism, if you want to follow that through. And what do the epistles expand on? So you can see that Jesus never baptized anybody according to the scriptures, but they did do, he did preside over water baptisms. We see it in the book of Acts, and then we see it explained further in the epistles. So that's kind of the way you want to get your biblical doctrine down, and then you also want to incorporate it into the Old Testament as well. Because we're to read from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, the whole counsel of God. Very, very important. You see, as Bible-believing Christians, we are to model our lives after the singleness that Jesus had in his life. And what was that singleness? I mean, what, what was it? Well, in simplicity, it was... Pleasing the Heavenly Father. That's all it was. Well, that's too simple. I know it. I know it is. And that's why I like it. Because I am simple. I appreciate you smart people. I really do. I, I love smart people. I'm not that smart. So I like simple. Just keep it simple, silly. Kiss Siri. And not trying to please himself. But I want to please myself. That's my nature. Been that way since I've been born. Me, 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 me. Not that any of you are like that. Just talking about myself. You see, Jesus says something very interesting when he's rebuking the religious elite on the Temple Mount, just outside the temple itself in Solomon's porch. Um, some of us are actually going to be there in March, a few months. There was a crowd gathered, and this is what Jesus had to say in Matthew twenty-three, fifteen. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is Jesus speaking, guys. He was calling out the religious elite. What, about what? Many things. But look at what he says here. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves. What did Jesus just tell them? 
You're not saved. You're not saved. You're just playing church. Well, not playing church. You're playing synagogue. You're just playing synagogue. You think you're so religious and you think your religiosity is going to get you to heaven. You're going to hell. Read what Jesus says. Neither you, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering in to go in. Hmm. Interesting. You see, once a religious person makes a convert, they will instill in their victim the do's and don'ts of their religion. It's not a matter of God's love and commitment to them as a sinner. But how could they be less of a sinner so that God might come to love them? Right there is religion versus relationship. And so that's why we stress grace here at Calvary. You see, as you read the whole counsel of God, you will find that the law was not put there for us to meet its requirements. It's in Galatians. You'll read it yourself. But to show humanity that it was impossible to meet those requirements. Impossible. And since it's impossible, it shows us that mankind needed a Savior. Someone who could save them from themselves. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, as Matt prayed this morning, our desire for you is to come know Jesus as your Savior this morning. You're not going to heaven if you don't. We're not playing church here. We're not punching the clock. And that is where Jesus comes in. Jesus died and rose again so that we might rest in his acceptable sacrifice. Galatians 1 tells us this. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. Again, Paul is writing to believers. He's writing to the church in Galatia, that area of Galatia. And are turning to a different gospel. Guys, any religion that does not proclaim that Jesus is God is a different religion. Jesus is God. He's not just a great prophet, Islam. He is not the spirit brother of Lucer, Mormonism. He is not a Michael the Archangel reincarnated, Jehovah Witness. He is not just a really, really, really good teacher, Hinduism and a lot of the isms. No, he is, not. he is God, the Son of God. You don't have to study decades. Just ask the person, is Jesus the Son of God? Well, 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 well you know, he's, he's a God. I don't, need any, I don't need to hear any more about your religion. But can I share with you about a relationship before you leave? And share the gospel with them, because they need Jesus. They're sincere in their disbelief. Because it it, it's, it's for us, we're just going, how can you believe that stuff? It's disbelievable, but yet they believe it. So they're very sincere in their disbeliefs. Which is really no gospel at all. The gospel is, what is, anybody know what the gospel, two words, what does the gospel stand for? Good news. Is that good news, knowing that you have to jump through all these hoops and maybe God will love me? Is that good news? That's what I was born and raised in. That was not good news. It was like, forget it. I'm just going to go out and party because I can never make that guy happy up there. It's hopeless. Which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But notice this in your Bible. And that's why you need to read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So you won't get offended when somebody tells you that Mormons are not Christians. Just read your Bible. But even if we or an angel from heaven... Huh. Who's on top of their temples? Huh. Yeah, an angel. 
But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Ouch, that's not very nice. Well, you're talking about eternity here. You don't get a second chance. When you take your last breath, that's your last breath. You're going to get your brand new body, and you're going to be either be in hell or you're going to be in heaven. Got to, I got to keep it simple because that's all it is. That's, don't argue with me about religion. Jesus made that perfectly clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6, and many other verses. So don't play church, guys. Verse 4, 2 Corinthians eleven four, For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, notice what Paul's addressing. You think I'm crazy? Listen to Paul. Whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received. So he's talking about these, these false teachers that are either, have either risen up within the church, or these false teachers that have come with, from outside the church into the church now. He's trying to educate the Corinthians. Go back to what you first heard. Or a different gospel which you had not received. You may well put up with it. <laughs> you see, this perfect verse gives us, a, or this verse gives us a perfect example of what happens when we leave the singleness or simplicity that is in Jesus. We end up seeking after a different Jesus, as I've already said. And Lucifer loves that. Our spiritual enemy loves that. So Paul says, if you receive a different spirit or a different gospel, and that's what religion is all about, Jesus plus church membership. If you want to talk about religion, I'm just going to ask you one simple question. Can you be saved by faith alone in that religion? And I know what you're going to have to tell me. Uh, no. Then it's not Jesus plus nothing. It's Jesus plus tithing. Tithing. It's Jesus plus church attendance. It's Jesus plus water baptism. It's Jesus plus knocking on doors. It's Jesus plus passing out pamphlets. It's Jesus plus prayer. It's Jesus plus this. Jesus plus So the cross wasn't good enough, was it? That's all they're saying. You know what? The cross isn't good enough. You're American. You can work your way to heaven. You see, the Corinthians were allowing others to come in and deceive them from the single truth that the Holy Spirit had taught them through Paul. It's Jesus plus nothing that equals salvation. If you have anything else in your brain, Jesus plus something else, you've been deceived. Start reading your Bible again from Genesis to Revelation. And you can find this same scenario involving every single cult or even a church under the banner of Christianity. Unfortunately, there are some churches under the banner of Christianity, if you're not baptized into their church, you're not saved. And then some churches will say, well, if you're not baptized into the name of Jesus, specifically, I baptize you in the name of Jesus, oh, you're not saved. And then there are other churches, I'm talking about under the banner of Christianity, that if you're not baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into their church, then you're not saved. So anytime I baptize anybody, I go, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It eliminates any of that deceptive nonsense. It's not about that. It's about your heart as an individual. Are you ready to surrender your life to Christ in water baptism? Because guys, back in that day when a Jew got water baptized, which Jews don't to this day get baptized, only Gentiles get baptized into Judaism. You were saying to all of your family and relatives and friends and Pharisees and scribes, anybody, all Jews, I am now a believer in Jesus Christ as a Messiah. And when you said that, 
you could have possibly lost everything. We take water baptism like, yeah, it's no big deal. Well, you don't know your Bible. Read Romans chapter 6. There's a spiritual principle. Are you willing to lose everything? No way. Get water baptized and you will be. Because you'll understand. It might cost me everything. And guys, it is costing. I don't, I don't know if you guys follow the news or not, but you know the, the baker up in Denver, Colorado? Ten years. They've been trying to crucify this guy for ten years. It went to the Supreme Court. He won. over. I think it was seven to two. He won. You cannot tell somebody else they have to do something against their religious beliefs. They are still going after him because he refused to make a cake for a coming out party. For a wannabe who's proclaiming, I've now come out as a female and I'm a male. He would not make the cake. And so now they're taking him to court again and suing him. And he may end up going to jail or <laughs> 10 years. Well, nobody's persecuting in America. You're not following the news at all. You see, Paul shows the Corinthians here that they will put up with nonsense even though what they were... Per- even though what they preach and teach is diametrically opposed to what the Holy Spirit has already taught them. I mean, can you hear Paul's heart here? It goes back to what we learned last week. It's just like a parent that pleads with their child to make the right choices because they have a godly jealousy for them. This is not going to apply to many of you. Our our kids are now 41, 38, 36, and 34 we got 15 grandkids, I think. 14 or 15. One of them. Um, Claudia knows exactly. Um, but how many of you can identify with Paul's heart when you begged your teenager or young adult not to make a decision? You did it lovingly. You did it graciously. You explained what might happen in a loving tone. All that good stuff. And they went against you. Did any of you ever experience that? The rest of you are just perfect parents. Your kids obeyed you wholeheartedly all the time. Congratulations. It's grieving. You see, that's Paul's heart here. I taught you. I lived. Paul lived with them. He worked amongst them. Be, care- be very careful. Be very careful. You see, he's showing the Corinthians that their folly in allowing someone to come into their lives and deceive them is just robbing them of the simplicity that is found in Jesus. And we have seen this happen in Christian lives. Done a lot of counseling uh, over the last, uh, we got into full-time ministry in 95, but we were doing marital discipling in 88. So however many years that is, 45 years, we have seen this. So I've had a woman sit across from my desk and tell me that I was going to hell. Because I taught the Bible on Sunday morning. I knew, she was a young believer. And she all of a sudden had this revelation that the Sabbath is from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And anybody that teaches the Bible is demonic, deceptive, and they're going to hell. Thank you very much. I will be in heaven, and I pray that your salvation was true. Because what you are teaching me is false. It's that simple. Very, very sad. So don't think this can't happen to you. Don't ever leave the simplicity of Jesus. Be very careful about who and what you allow to come into your house. The scriptures teach against that. Be very careful. 
There are those outside of Christianity who are holding out other views of Jesus, another spirit based upon feelings, another gospel that has nothing to do with the gospel found in Gen- from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. We also need to be aware and careful about the subtle little things that are creeping into Christianity in the guise of, again, as I've already mentioned, social justice. Remember I mentioned this about two years ago? I don't know when it was, 18 months, two years ago. Do you guys remember the word that I mentioned? Not equality, but a word that's very similar to equality called what? Equity. And I warned everybody back then, 18 months to two years ago, be careful, this word, you're going to see it transform our society. Equity, equity, equity. Everything's about equity now. I appreciate you smart people. Because you know there's schools, the high schoolers, did you guys see that come out recently? Where high schoolers were not lifting up the smart people because they wanted the dumb people to be equal to the smart people? I was a dumb person. I admit it. I hated school. I had a hard time. If I got a C, I was ecstatic. So I got, no, I got no issue saying that. I don't want to be elevated to you smart people. Praise God. Some of you talk to me and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but praise God you do. <laughs> Send that rocket to the moon. Go for it. Let's look at Philippians. Philippians 1. Commend a smart person. Praise God. Philippians 1.9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. I have those words highlighted. All discernment. Please be discerning. Well, how do I discern? By reading your Bible and having something to compare to. Your Bible should be what you compare it to. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Not self-righteousness. Righteousness. And what does that mean? Just being right with God. Just being right with God. Just be right with God. Which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Guys, the church, and I'm seeing it right here locally. The church is not using discernment. They're inviting things into their bodies that will never come into this church. Wokeness will never come into this church. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. There's one race. Anybody know what that race is? The human race. Doesn't matter to me what color your skin is. The human race. The other stuff is from the pit of hell. First Thessalonians 5 says this, 21. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Test it. Test it. Abstain from every form of evil. Every form of evil. You see, if these subtle little things are not a big deal, then God's word would not have said what he, that he was jealous over you. It is a big deal. And the spiritual forces of darkness desire us to let down our guard and believe that a little bit of additional religious information other than the Bible is not a big deal. You see, the Corinthians found themselves in that very place. And it was bringing confusion into their lives as well as the church. Is God the author of confusion? The Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion. So how do we stay unconfused? By staying in the simplicity of the gospel. As the music team comes up. By staying in the simplicity of the gospel. Please read your Bibles. Get into that habit. 
I encourage you to have a 10, 15, 20-minute devotional time. Minimum. Minimum. Not for your studying, for the ladies' Bible study or the men's Bible study, but for your own personal, private devotional time that you can ask God, God, show me in your word where my heart needs to be more like Jesus. Keep it simple. Where my heart needs to be more like Calvary Chapel. No, 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 no. Where my heart needs to be more like Jesus. Because I will fail you. You stick around here long enough, I will fail you. I will disappoint you. I guarantee you. I'm only human. Try my best not to, but I will. Forgive me. Forgive me. Let's move on. We forgive each other. That's what the church is all about. But at the same time, guys, we're not going woke. Just want you to know that. We're not going woke. Invite your woke friends to come. Because they need to hear that Jesus is not woke. He loves the whole world just the way they are. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Father, we thank you that you see every single human being, no matter what color they are, no matter how smart they are, no matter what uh, disability they might have, they are a potential, potential child of God. So, Lord, help us to minister to all people, even as your word says. Your word says, do good to all, especially the household of God. So, Father, we're to do good to all. Help us to pray for our leaders this week. They're taking our country down a road that is so deceptive. Father, help us to take a stand for you this week in a loving way, in a kind way, that others might know, yes, there is a God who's going to hold us accountable individually as well as corporately as a church as well as a country. This is, none of this has escaped your eye, Father. So, Lord, if there needs to be repentance that takes place in our hearts this morning, then we invite your Holy Spirit and allow your Holy Spirit to grant that to us, that we might accept it, that we might turn from whatever that sin in is our lives, in our lives as Christians, that we might turn and be ready this week to minister in our mission field. Whatever that looks like, wherever that might be, our neighborhood, maybe at the store, maybe driving down the road, maybe at work, in the family, Whatever it might be, Father, we want to be available for you in these desperately wicked days. You're not giving up. Your Holy Spirit, Jesus said that your Holy Spirit is drawing all mankind to himself. So we thank you for that, Father. You, will, you, you are not willing that any should perish. Eight billion people, you love all eight billion people. Help us to be available for those few that we can be available for. For your glory, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.